and welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Chris Chafin. Hi, Caleb Shively. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you're listening to Actually Best Choice Movies. It's the world's only movie podcast. Every week on the show, we talk about two films. One of them's old, one of them's new. They're both good movies, and they fit together like uh, two pieces of fruit you might buy at the grocery store. Uh, like when their apples touching? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say those fit together exactly if you have two apples touching. They just kind of touch. They don't fit. I was thinking more like a banana and a cantaloupe, like when you can just get one in the other. Sure, sure, sure. That is a beautiful visual I am picturing. Yes, and it's because it, I said it and it's perfect and that's like everything else I say. So this week on the show, we're going to be talking about two films. Uh, one of them ripped from the headlines, the just premiered controversial Todd Phillips Joker. The other movie, uh, which had a very large influence on this movie to the point where where you could just say it was directly stealing things from this movie. Um, it's called The King of Comedy. It's from 1982. 83. 83. Martin Scorsese. Uh, that's all this week on Actually Best, Best Choice, Choice Movies. Movies. But before we get to any of that, uh, Caleb, what have you been watching this week, kid? Oh, brother. A lot of stuff. Uh, some crap you've all seen. Uh, I, saw, I finally saw Hands on a Hard Body. My husband and I have been praying for a truck, and I believe that this is what God wants us to do. I have uh, never seen that. It's uh, poorly filmed, but it's so interesting. That's uh, the documentary about winning a car? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's the third year they were doing it, so they had like a veteran of it, too, which is kind of interesting. I feel like that that concept of that film is so ingrained in like popular consciousness now. Yeah, it's easy totally. to forget it's There's actually a, from this movie. Yeah, My Name know? is Earl episode. Uh, but it's really poorly filmed. Like They miss a lot because they're bad filmmakers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's still like a very... like. The competitors are very interesting. Is it from the 80s or? Uh, 1992 or oh, okay. three, yeah. Right. I also saw uh, Rocket Man, which uh, that Oh my John God, biopic. why did you, uh, why it's, in the it's world? Not, it's not bad. Really? Did you see it? No, it seemed terrible. Why would you say, uh, it's a, hugely a biopic, but uh, it oh, doesn't I'm take I'm sorry, a, did you say a biopic? As in like it makes you want to vomit because it's terrible? Good one, Chris. Um, <laughs> it eschews every... Uh, chance to take itself seriously it's just like nah we're fucking a dumbass biopic let's just have fun and not care about the order of songs let's just do dumb shit oh yeah i've heard people like pedants complain that the songs are in the wrong why would you complain about that uh, that's uh the fault of every biopic is that it's so by the numbers and this one is very much by the numbers but thank god it just like aims to have fun i was pleasantly surprised by it blah 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 uh, anyway, uh, I also saw... Can uh, I, can I, were you like, intri- you were like, I gotta see Rocket Man. You were, no. I'm, I'm just, I'm curious about the situation in which you saw it. Was it just like, I mean, you consciously sought out to see, see Rocket Man. You went ahead and judged that right away with, uh, without even seeing about it. You just heard it's bad. So I heard, hear... I mean, that, I saw the trailer. I thought I it looked hear bad. Things, I thought it looked bad. And I was like, you know what? I would rather than, uh, as I see a lot of movies, I just say, I'll just watch this and judge it myself. Mm-hmm. And that's why I see movies. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, I also saw the original before we uh, picked Joker. We were going to do Ad Astra. This is Major Roy McBride. I'm attempting to reach Dr. Clifford McBride. Dad, I'd like to see you again. Oh, yes. So I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it yet. I really want to it's see great. it. I it's, have not seen it. Uh, very much a James Gray movie um, in that sense that James Gray puts a lot of uh, mise-en-scene in his uh in his uh, setups, a lot of just 
wonderful background, uh, way out detailed, a very simple story that just gets complex because when you think about it, um, but yeah, I absolutely, I think it's one of the best movies of the year. Yeah, uh, how, how was it? You thought it was one of the best movies of the year. Yeah. Uh, how was, how was uh, Mr. Pitt? Brad was Pitt, he good? Uh, you know, uh, he's not the greatest actor, but he brings some subtly, subtlety, subtleness to it. Is he doing his thing where he's like very stoic and masculine and doesn't yeah, say and a he, lot? Yeah, uh, as in the movie where it was on, it breaks down a lot as the metaphor for space goes that we are all uh, giant voids and lost. Uh, oh, that's interesting. I yeah, like that. uh, he yeah. Ha- handles it very ably. I think it's uh, as the great year of Brad Pitt goes, he just did not no ch- no demerits against him. I think he's on a hundred percent track record to hundred percent getting nominated for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for supporting. Do you actor. think? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, how could he not? Uh, and. Maybe even win. This could be a, a like with all this goodwill he's having. This well, could I be feel his like all, all the movies, all the good movies are have yet to come out this year, right? So I feel like I'm not, I am not sure of what's going to happen. I know, yet. but he has. Uh, it's a, a big thing when something hits early. They could people latch on to. I mean, it really it. is stuck in everyone's mind, right? Like yeah. he was great in that movie. Are you an actor? No, I'm a stuntman. Like amazing, you know, for all time character that he's going to do. Uh, if he does, I don't think it would be for a while. I think he's a very like happy. Maybe like with... as an old man, right? I mean, that would be really interesting. Sure, sure. I'm like, interested like in him. Redford, yeah, because yeah, he's like, what, in his 50s now? Brad Pitt? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, def. Um, yeah, he's got another 20 or 30 years of working at him, He's doing very good. Uh, Plan B has uh, always been a very strong uh, production company. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, of I got two more movies I saw Oh, my God. Theaters. Kill him. Kill him. Uh, good Lord. And these two are great, and I would go say go rush out and see these because they're not going to be in theaters that long. Uh, the Death of Dick Long from uh, Daniel Scheinert. Uh, ab- absolutely loved it. And uh, The Day Shall Come from the funniest person in the world, Chris Morris. So these are very much comedy movies, but very modern comedy movies in the sense that they just quit being comedies for a while. Like, they're very funny, uh, but they are very about serious subjects. Uh, Death of Dick Long is about their friend's death. Uh, and then them covering up, uh, they're like bumbling for a while. But then, I mean, first of all, can I just say his name? I love that his name is Dick Long. It's a joke. I mean, in the that's movie. amazing. It, that's it com- amazing. It, it comes back. I mean, how could it not be? How it comes it back. Be? It's uh, but when they actually reveal how he dies, uh, it the movie takes it so seriously, and it's a ridiculous death. But they take it so seriously, <laughs> uh, uh, and there's a lot of great characters, character actors in it. Uh, Sarah Baker, uh, Roy Woods, but my man Andre Highland is in it. Andre Highland uh, did this great movie called The Fourth. Uh, if you ever seen the Jesse Miller talk show, Stupid Face back in the day, but uh, he was also in one of my favorite movies this year, uh, Relaxer. He stole it. Uh, mm-hmm. Andre Highland having a great year. Uh, super funny in this movie. Uh, this is a movie that starts off with, uh, no, it ends with um, that Nickelback song, This Is How You Remind Me, and it starts with uh, a Disturbed song, uh, and there's like, uh, this is them playing it acoustically very poorly. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, there's also a scene where like, you need to call off work Right now, tell him it's an emergency. I can't tell him it's an emergency. I used that excuse last time when I saw Papa Roach. <laughs> uh, very fun movie. Um, but then Chris Morris does uh, The Day Shall Come. I did not know Chris Morris had a new movie out. I mean, this is Chris Morris, yeah. the guy from The Day Brass Today, Eye, Day Today. Brass Eye. Yeah. Uh, wrote for Veep for the last you know, couple the of years. The IT crowd, you know, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, he was the original Renholm. Uh Super funny guy. He's uh, made his second terrorist comedy. Oh, my God. After Four Lions. I love Four Lions. Which just stars What's-His-Face. Uh, uh, Riz. Riz Amid. Riz. Riz Amid, who's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one, Anna Kendrick's in this one. She's the biggest name in it. That's very weird. Yeah. Uh, she. So this is less about the terrorist group and more about how the FBI is always trying to control terrorist groups. Like, every gun and bomb in this movie is funded by the U.S. government. 
Uh, and it's just them trying to cause a 9-11 so they could stop a 9-11. That's the basic premise of this movie. I and mean, that is kind of what the government yes. is doing all the time. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah. and that's what this movie is 100% about. And it's so bleak. Like, again, it's very funny. But then, like, once it, like, narrows its scope and shows you its targets, it's like, fuck, man, this is scary as fuck. <laughs> Great movie. It's funny. It's actually, it's very, it's funny, though. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I liked Four Lions a lot. Yeah, um, one of my favorite movies of the... Comedies of the decade. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, to be perfectly honest with you, I think I did not finish watching it. I think it was Ooh. like, I enjoyed it a lot, but also it was kind of like, I got it. You know what I mean? This bomb boots. They sell condoms that make you want to bang white girls. I second that boots. Right. They nab me nicking links display. Right, lads, think of it bigger than a chemist, right? I'm not blowing the guts out over a bunch of tampons. Well, that's all I saw goods. this week. There's other that's stuff. all you saw this nah, week. I saw Amazing Grace too, but I don't have to talk about it. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> Caleb, you have a, you have a sickness. You, you you go to you've seen so many movies. In the that's last why I'm on weeks. a movie podcast so I could get this I mean, out of my true. system. Yeah, right. Yeah, this is therapy. <laughs> Otherwise, like you have nothing to no one to talk to about it. It's Wait, terrible. Wait, it's a Joker, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, hearing you say all these fantastic movies, it makes me feel ashamed that we're talking about Joker on this episode. We should have done any of those better movies, like, hey, we're for doing, sure. We're also doing know? a Scorsese movie. I mean, yeah, that is true, which is great. And I had not seen that before, so that was what I watched this week. Yeah, I didn't see any other movies. I went to a lot of live comedy the last couple of weeks. I saw a... Uh, it was a thing at the pit here in New York where they performed a pilot that, you know, obviously hadn't gone anywhere. I think it improv was a, pilot? A, a series they do. No, it wasn't an improv. It was oh. like a script. It was like a pilot script, but they performed it like a play. Um, it was called Chastity High, I think. And it's about a girl named Chastity in a town where you're not supposed to have sex. And uh, it's like a teen comedy satire, you know, kind of in the vein of Strangers with Candy, but like not funny. Sure, not sure absurd like that at all just like river mountain high it's kind of like moral oral mixed with strangers with candy Did you ever see um high school usa which was on the uh animation domination block on Fox? i don't think that i it did was from no. dino stamatopoulos who's that's cool the, yeah uh, who's a legend uh but it starred like vincent carthesia and mandy moore uh but yeah very very it's like archie but yeah, this was Very like, you know, every character enters a room by climbing through the window, like that kind of a thing. Oh, sure. You know, uh, two teachers secretly want to have sex with each other, but they're not supposed to, you know. And it was cute. It was fun. It was like some person I, a friend of mine was performing in it. And then, yeah, I saw this great show last night with uh, Eva Victor and Anna Fabrega and a bunch of very funny comedians whose name I for, whose names I forget. I it was hosted by Sam Taggart. Yeah, it was. It was. It was hosted by three people. Um, oh, I forget the other two's name. I'm sorry. Yeah, Sam Taggart being one of them. It was like a fantastic show. It's called Open Flame at Littlefield. Uh, I would highly recommend. Is it a weekly a great show time. or? I think I actually have no idea. I mean, they seemed like they seemed like they had done it before. You know what I mean? Mm. They seemed like it wasn't uh, the first time. They had merch. They had like buttons and oh, stuff. Oh snap! Uh, yeah, they should get on that at all other comedy shows. But uh, no, I haven't. And I've been trying to finish The Americans. It's like the main thing I've been doing. Oh, I'm also trying to finish The Americans. We have two episodes left. We're going oh, to watch them tonight. We, yeah. Oh, good for you. I think we, we just started season six. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have about like eight episodes I'll left. I'll say it starts pretty slow, but then like it definitely picks up. By around episode six, it's, it becomes uh, extremely stressful. So you're stressful. ahead of me right now, so I'm just so distracted that Paige has a different haircut. I know. I mean, I think it looks good. She looks good. Oh, she looks great. It's like adult She Paige. looks like an adult, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm into that. I mean, not like, you know, sexually, but I'm, I'm into the concept of I'm her growing up. I'm glad for me not always shitting on her all the time. 
For who not always shitting on? I always shit on Paige like this fucking idiot. Oh yeah, she's so annoying. I mean, she's so annoying in the early seasons. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. Now in the but season now she has six, a haircut. Yeah, she's cool. She's cool. Now she has a haircut. So the first movie we're going to talk about this week is you know if if you've been on the internet, you've heard somebody's oh opinion God, about the it. Discourse of this shit. It's called Joker. It's from Todd Phillips. It just came out on Friday. This is actually a very rare instance of us being right on a movie that came out. Uh, so yeah, it's Joker. For my whole life. I didn't know if I even really existed, but I do. And people are starting to notice. You think this is funny? <laughs> is this a joke to you? Uh, Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? From Todd Phillips, the man that brought you Ken Jeong doing a racist accent and a monkey doing cocaine, comes Joker, a dark and gritty look at the clown prince of crime. Uh, it's On one level, it's a pretty straightforward story of how a neurologically damaged uh, loner cracks in half and does some murders that go viral, becoming some mixture of the V for Vendetta guy and Tezande. Um, on another meta level, this movie is yet another battleground and these never-ending internet outrage wars, uh, and lots of people who have not seen the movie have very strong opinions about it. Uh, here's what I'll say. Having seen it, uh, I saw it this past Thursday, um, there's a lot of crypto-racist stuff that stops just short of being racist, but like, you know a racist would find something to like in it, I would say. Uh, it has an amazing, uh, incredibly pathetic and physically repulsive performance from Joaquin Phoenix. It's unapologetically pro-murder. It posits that the Joker is a full 30 years older than Batman, which I find weird, uh, although I, I guess too. there is some precedent for that. Uh, it steals directly and without any subtlety from real life and several very famous movies. Uh, our hero is... You know, he's the king of comedy, he's Bernie Getz, he's Taxi Driver, but in a world and in a film that seems afraid to finish any of its thoughts. Uh, in the world of the film, the personal is personal and not political. Joker even says many times, flat out, out loud, I'm not political, which is, you know, hard to believe the more he says it. Um, it's a film that takes as its mission showing how in something like the real world, an actual person with roughly understandable motivations could become a supervillain. And it totally does do that. If that's the mission of the movie, you have to say it it's a success on some level, um, although I that might be the only level that I really think it's a success. Uh, Caleb, what did you think about this movie? Uh, I wish the real world would just stop bothering me. You know, huge controversy, so let's judge it from its yeah. cinematic purposes only. Uh, and it still falters there. Yeah, right. uh, It's such um, a borrowed aesthetic that I mean, you have yeah. to hold it up to, against uh, Taxi Driver and... Uh, King of Comedy and, and Watchmen, even, uh, you know? Network. I would even throw Network, that in there. Yeah, right. It's um, just it takes place in this like mythical early nineteen mm eighties -hmm. uh, that so many things are set. Yeah, in, it's very know? much the borrowed uh, New New York from Scorsese films. It did remind me a lot of Watchmen, also. Yeah, and, yeah, and all those are great. Uh, I'm glad there's like a pop culture pastiche of movies I love like that. That's fine, uh, but you also have to look at it in the light of past Joker as well. 
which that does movie no favors. It's lucky it came after uh, the shitty Jared Leto Joker. Right, like the immediately pr- preceding it, yeah. Joker was absolutely. If this the worst was right after time. the best Joker, uh, arguably the best Joker, I mean, the Heath Ledger, uh, yeah. the Heath Ledger Joker, uh, that Joker lived uh, with no backstory and just was a pure wonderful anarchist agent of chaos. That uh, they really did a great job Chris, they Christopher Nolan did a great job of making that uh, a very fully formed character off of no backstory and this movie is all backstory yeah right uh, and that's all carried out by uh Joaquin Phoenix who is absolutely scary good in this I mean you can't say he doesn't do a fantastic job this he is, does do a fantastic job in this if movie if this if he wasn't in this movie this would have been a straight a up bad movie piece I would of say, garbage yeah right. uh, it's a good movie uh, it's good a movie because Joaquin Phoenix. If you like to watch a one man show, right. uh, if you want to see some Joaquin Phoenix classic acting, it's high on his resume uh, for the for the sheer fact of how high profile it is. Uh, Freddie Quell, number one. Uh, there's so many great Joaquin Phoenix roles. I love Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, he's a fantastic actor, and, and so I like. He this seems movie. to have approached this in a pure, yeah. a completely pure way of just saying like. Here's a lonely guy. Uh, you know, he's in, in these terrible circumstances, and he. What would his interior emotional life be like? Uh, and he he compl- attacks it with complete sincerity, and it's you know he makes it beautiful and terrible, terrible to watch because so many bad things happen to his character, like so many more than like could possibly happen to one person in the very short span oh, that sure. this movie you know covers. But it's like you feel it so hard. I mean, I feel like I had my mouth hanging open the whole movie because so much terror shit happens and then eventually he becomes the guy that is doing the terrible uh, shit so eventually he becomes we know he's becoming that the whole time the movie's called joker right exactly uh it's a very overdetermined outcome of a movie like and to get into the other movies uh, well, so wait but wait before we say that i mean because this is i think the part a lot of people have a problem with and i think what is so troublesome about the movie right because it's called joker you know he's going to become a supervillain. So it's basically like you see him going through all these things. You know, he gets mugged. His uh, lady's mean to him on the bus. His his social worker is like not listening to him. And it's it's hard not to say like that the movie's saying, see if you treat people like this, they're going to turn into murderers. Oh, and sure. like that's kind of because we live in a society that does have loners who turn into mass murderers. It's impossible not to connect those dots in some way. But it's. You know, I don't know. It's something. So there's movie, something weird about it because yeah, you're because no, you're saying it. is like you're saying if you get because tre- it's he's not saying if you get treated like this, it's okay to murder people. But is that what he's saying? It kind of seems like that. It is you know? what he's saying because he does. If he's trying to say something else, he does a horrible job. Him being Todd Phillips, right? Uh, yeah, a horrible job of expressing it because this movie absolutely expresses nothing about the human condition or uh, you know a, a broader cultural swatch. He. It, this is a very shallow movie. Uh, it looks great. Uh, the filmmaking, uh, the actual, uh, it's he's working with his longtime cinematographer, uh, Lawrence Shear, who always does a decent job for Todd Phillips' shitty movies. But the directing is very contrived. Um, the directing and the writing is very contrived. Uh, like, there's a bunch of fantasy breaks. And usually in a fantasy, they're meant to, like, let you look into a character's mind. And this does it to a very small extent. 
but more so it's doing the fantasy breaks in this movie are meant to trick you. Well, yeah, you're not supposed to know their fantasies. There's like a reveal yeah. late in the movie that a whole plot line has but been imagined like, by a Joker. But you would have you would have literally no idea that that was going on. I, yeah, I, I had a 100% idea that was going I on. I mean, I did think to myself, like, wow, this person is being so nice to yeah. him. That's crazy. And then it turned out because it wasn't really happening, you know? Um, and it really doesn't really absolutely engage with its lead character. It has a great performance that we're just watching. Uh, and when I say engage, it doesn't actually like show him in quieter moments. It, like it has him like oddly laughing in beats. That's his thing. And he right, dances, this is the thing he is, dances a lot. His thing of is actually, supposed to be that he has some kind of brain trauma that causes him to inappropriately laugh in times where he's like nervous or upset. There is the he one can't, scene, he like uncontrollably laughs. Uh, and he sounds like the Joker. It's very terrifying. I know? thought this was a very a, a good scene in the movie. Uh, he was at a comedy show himself uh, taking notes. But he was also like laughing off cue, like yeah, trying like to like, follow other people's laughter. And I really wish there was more of these like funny moments that aren't really that like, funny. Like they had like the mo- these moments of grace were just like I wish the more mission statement of this movie was uh, my life's not a tragedy; it's a comedy. Like that's a fun realization that he gets to have. Right. And there are like really fun comedic beats, like. Cops are questioning about uh, these murders, and he's at the hospital, and he sees his mother. He just turns away and yells at him, and then walks right into a plate glass window. <laughs> yeah, <right. Yeah. laughs> That's funny. Like, it's, and it's one of those things, like, this is a very serious moment. And there's another great one, very serious But it moment. doesn't seem funny in the movie. I know, it seems I really pathetic wish... and sad. It doesn't seem funny at all. I you know. know. I w- but that has, like, a very uncomfortable feeling. I, I wish they grabbed onto those moments more. Uh, there's a great one. Uh, try not to spoil it for him, but let's say there's a murder uh and then he lets this one guy go. This one guy happens to be a small person. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, right. So this one guy, yeah. small guy is like, okay, I'm going to leave. But he can't reach the lock. It's like a chain lock at the top of the yeah. door. And he has to go, uh, Arthur, can you grab this for me? And, and he's like, like, oh, huh, of course. And, again, and he's got blood all over his right face. Right after a you know? murder, a very, probably the most shocking scene in the yeah. movie. Uh, and thank you for that relief. But I wish there was more like... This is an actual funny movie. Well, so, but that's the thing is like the movie doesn't seem to know what tone it no. has. It doesn't seem to know what kind of message it's trying to get across. It doesn't seem to know like what its political stance is on anything. I mean, because like, look, at the base of it, it's a movie about a lonely person who's like, you know, autistic basically or on the spectrum in some way who, uh, you know, is, you know, not doing well in the world and ends up becoming a mass murderer, right? I mean, that's like a very pertinent story to today. That's happening every day. Oh, so yeah. it's, it's a chance to really address that through the lens of superhero movies. And I feel like it it either doesn't address it at all or it addresses it in a way that's it kind of like... It's kind of like good that it's like yeah he's finally empowered himself via murder you know the and most... that is what the real murderers do they feel like they've yeah. empowered themselves through murder the... i don't feel it's like but it's not interrogating that it's not getting it's not adding anything to that discussion it's just presenting it you it know? presents it and it does make some it's commentary like he starts going his journey starts into this after his medication money is cut off and also a lot of his attacks are pointed at uh, he uh, Wall Street like the people rich. or the yeah. rich, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it just again doesn't engage with those things, and the it other just thing... moves itself forward in a very like I don't know. We just see cut to what Joaquin Phoenix is doing now, and it's also so weird because all of the people that are mean to him in the beginning of the movie are people of color, but then like the movie doesn't 
seem to do anything with that. It doesn't have an. I don't think. I don't know why it. I don't know why it him. did that. Well, the gang that robs him and oh, yeah, they him were Latin. people of color and then the like pe- woman that's mean to him on the subway is a person of color and then his uh social worker is a person of color and then he comes I home the social worker was that mean to him she was just like ignoring him yeah. you know and like not helping him right and then he comes home and he's watching this old fred astaire movie with which is like it's not a minstrel show but it has it's just something uncomfortable about it it's this group of it's this very famous group of black singers who were very famous and this is a great they're in this fred astaire movie but it's like, I don't know, there's just something weird about it. After watching all those scenes, and then we're watching this movie from the 30s with, like, Fred Astaire and these, you know, very, you know, stereotypical, like, black To be fair, characters. I would say Zazie Beetz was nice to him at first, and even she didn't call the cops on him in the one scene. That... Well, but that is, like, the thing, too. So Zazie Beetz plays this character that lives down the hall from him and is, like, he has a crush on. So it's almost like the movie is saying, we can show that universally people of color are being negative, but it's fine because he has a crush on a person of color. Like, is that is that what the game that they're playing, you know? There was a Brian Tyree Henry scene. Again, another case oh, right. of Todd yeah. Phillips not using his actors well. Um, and he was very nice to him. He uh, was but, very nice to him. But right? That's, like, when, much later in the yeah, movie, though. When he see, uh, sees the turn of him, he, like, pulls away. And it's also very weird because the movie recreates um, famous things from history. Like, um, so his first killing is he kills these three guys on the subway who are uh, harassing first a woman and then him. And this is basically exactly the same as what this guy Bernard Getz did in the 1980s, Bernie Getz. He thought that this, these kids on the subway were going to rob him, so he shot them. He actually didn't kill them, but he shot them. And they were all people of color, and it was this huge racialized thing in New York of the 80s that you know uh, tore the city apart in a certain way. It was all over the headlines. Like Everybody had an opinion about it. It was on Saturday Night Live and stuff, you know. But, like, they make the victims white people, which is very, I don't know, it completely changes it. Make you them know? white, they make them Wall Street assholes who right. were harassing women before. Yeah. It does change it 100%. And it, but it's just so strange. It's like, I, I don't know what, I don't know what is going on in this fucking movie. Like, I kept thinking about King of Comedy, which we're going to talk about in a mm-hmm. little bit, and thinking about how much that movie had to say about celebrity, media, society, oh, sure. you know, and I was like, what does this fucking movie have to say? Like, what, why, why is this here? Other than the fact that we could make a superhero movie that's like kind of a, a smart one, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what is he trying to say in this movie? Uh, maybe he's not saying nothing. Maybe he just wants to make a very vapid, empty movie about Joker. Um, uh, I mean, really, it struck me as like a guy who saw King of Comedy and was like, "Oh, that's fucking cool, man! I'm going to do that it's same thing." A but you don't, you don't, under- you don't understand. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It is a dorm room. I saw, I saw someone say like, "A great movie can become a dorm room poster," and this is a movie that's like, if you start out to make a dorm room poster, you know, and you don't have anything else, like you're just like, "Yeah, this is some cool shit." Uh, to maybe segue more into King of Comedy later, but another movie that is absolutely a masterpiece that is very much ripoff that we should be talking about more right now because I love it, uh, Taxi Driver. How's your driving record? It's clean. It's real clean, like my conscience. Which I did want to mention real quick. So in Taxi Driver, he very much, Travis Bickle, the Robert De Niro character, is very much a racist character, and they do engage with that, but never say that. And that's because Scorsese is a masterful uh, director. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, the, um, there's a scene where Travis is at a diner and there's a bunch of, like, gang members here. And he just, like, this long pause, long track take of just, like, the tension between them. Uh, the first person Travis kills, 
uh, in a convenience store as a black man. Uh, you, then like the people of color walking on the streets and Travis just looking at him honking, scum of the earth, wash it away. Uh, Scorsese did a very good job of addressing that without actually like getting too much in it. And also his isolated, troublesome character uh, had those moments of just like you're living with him uh, and he's not necessarily uh, like just dancing around or yeah, every uh, moment is not the most dramatic moment. Yeah, he's watching world. porno and he's just like very like, you're just, just getting more and more growing disgusted with him. And he, and this is a case with the other movie we're going to talk about. He never really is victimized himself too much. Uh, that like Joker just puts so much of a fine point on it. Like the first scene in this movie is Joker getting beat up. Right. Uh, he gets beat up a couple of times. By and, children, yeah. you know, and he's like crying uh, and he gets his little, he's spinning a sign for an electronic store and they yeah. steal his sign and break it. And it's like, it's, it's pathetic, you know, but this is the thing. I think that's very interesting what you're saying about taxi driver where it's like, Travis Pickle is a racist character and you see him be racist and you know the movie exists in the world and you see other characters react to him as you might react to a, a racist person right and you kind of you know it doesn't it's not unfair to him you see the world that he lives in right but this movie it's like Joker is not a racist character Joker doesn't seem to have any racial concepts at all it's like it's something about the movie is racist yeah. like the way the movie c creates a world it creates this racialized world that it then doesn't address in any way you know it's like it gets it's like it sets up this big domino thing and then it doesn't want to click them over you know and it's just very strange and also because because we see Joker get beat up in the beginning and because we see all these people be mean to him he is the hero of the movie in a way yeah. travis bickle is not the hero like we are identifying with him and feeling for him so then it's like are we supposed to be happy when he becomes a murderer like is that good you know it seems like it is uh both taxi driver and joker face a lot of controversy when they came out and both i mean taxi driver did inspire uh, an assassin yeah right yeah um and it, but it actually plays with your uncomfortableness level. It actually like gives you like, yeah, he's like the spoiled taxi driver for you. Why haven't you seen taxi driver? You goddamn idiot. Yeah, right. Uh, Come on. It's a fucking uh, 50 year old movie. Or he whatever. doesn't kill a presidential candidate. He said he moves on and goes and kills a bunch of pimps and hookers, uh, not hookers, just pimps, just uh, pimps to save yeah. a hooker. And it's one of those things like he's celebrated for it. And that's kind of twisted. Cause we know that we've been seeing like an hour of this character, just how, fucked up and vile and creepy and disgusting he is but they're offering him that like the media is now covering him as a hero and that's very uncomfortable well, so it's like king of comedy which we'll yeah. talk about which is like it it indicts us for the way we react yes. to people like this you know what i mean mm -hmm. and it's very identifiable in the world you're like oh yeah if i saw that headline it would be like that and i might agree with this and those are very heady subjects to go down and you need a very good director to like toe that line you don't need the director whose most famous line from a movie might be you my boy blue <laughs> i know right <laughs> because it does it does try to do this we see the media covering joker and we're supposed to be like i uh, don't know what we're supposed to think we're just supposed to think, think like oh it's so cool that joker everybody thinks he's cool should now. be very very the it, it, movie itself joker should be very happy that it is getting this controversy because i wouldn't have been as interested to see it no i know <laughs> i mean well the felix biederman you know from uh chapo trap house wrote a great review of it yesterday for deadspin or something or the av club maybe where he just basically said joker is a 5.5 out of 10 movie that is just not a very good movie and it just is like you're saying he, they're lucky that there's been all this controversy because it's at the end of the day just like 
whatever. It's just a not very great superhero movie. Uh, I will say I do have a lot of Taxi Driver and Scorsese bias. I that's like text for me. That's my my movie DNA. Uh, so it does go it's totally takes points from away from Joker of just being like, oh wait, they're just doing that for kids. It's yeah, like it's just taxi, this, it's it's Taxi, taxi Driver. It's King of Comedy. Yeah. yeah, it's Watchmen for kids, but not you know for like fourteen year old you know dillweeds who like spend all day yelling at people on reddit i guess you know and like yeah. swatting people they play counter-strike with let's give them empowerment yeah it's just very weird it's very weird i mean it is kind of stupid that everybody acts like this is you know a movie for incels or something i mean that doesn't really mean anything it has nothing to do with incels necessarily it, but it is for like alienated white people who feel victimized by society i mean we see joker become a kind of folk hero this is what i meant this is what I meant when I said he's the combination of V for Vendetta and Tay because he's basically mentally damaged and he doesn't know what he's doing, but he becomes a, a viral, hugely celebrated figure that people dress like and they are inspired to do revolutionary violence by his example, but he doesn't seem to really have any clue what he's doing or what's going on. Mm-hmm. He's just like reacting you know i mean that's in a way that's why it's a great performance for an actor because all joker is doing is reacting he only in one or two instances does he intentionally do something everything else is just like people are doing things to him and he's trying to get out of it in some way Um, i did mention that this cast is uniformly great we mentioned zazie beats brian tyree henry uh other great people some some of my favorite character actors are in this movie Again, not used well. Not used uh, well, yeah. But the two detectives... I mean, what's her face? The mom, you know? Oh, yeah, Francis Conroy. Francis Conroy uh, is a uh, fantastic under, actress, yeah. yeah. Uh, the two cops were... Uh, the Great Bill Camp. Is that uh, the guy from Barry? Uh, no, that's Glenn Fleshler. Oh, yeah, Glenn Fleshler. Uh, Glenn Fleshler's... Uh, most of the TV shows you love. He's in um, Boardwalk Empire. Uh, I fucking love Glenn Fleshler. Uh, very big, brooding presence. Uh, stole Suburbicon. Only reason to go see Suburbicon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the two cops were Shea Wiggum you know, and I Bill saw, Camp. Can I, can I tell you, I saw him walking down the street in like Fort Greene one day. Glenn Fleshler? Glenn, Glenn Fleshler, yeah. Wow. He looked exactly how he looks. He was wearing like like a sweatpants and like a sweatshirt that matched it. And he was like on a Bluetooth doing some kind of a phone call. And he, I don't know, had like a you know an old sandwich in his hand or something. I was He's like, great, yeah. he plays these guys because he is this guy. Like he just looked like any dude in Brooklyn. You know, it was kind of amazing. Yeah. Oh, and I mentioned all those people, and then we could use this to talk a leapfrog into uh, another place. It also starred uh, in a very uh, over-the-top winking role, uh, Robert De Niro. Right, exactly. So Murray this, is, Murray Franklin. this is a huge thing. I mean, there's lots of stuff that connects directly to King of Comedy. So do you want to move to talk about King of Comedy? Yeah. And then we'll both talk about that film and the things that were stolen yeah. by Joker. We could definitely do a more blend. And I mean, what's, what's interesting, too, is like that this Joker has come out a very Scorsese worshiping movie. And the same week, there's this interview with Scorsese published where he says, I've never been able to watch a comic book movie. They're not cinema. I mean, they, he's like, they're just, if you think of cinema as communicating an emotion from one human being to another, that's not what they are. They're my, just theme parks. My, my man called them theme park rides. <laughs> I know. Which is like pretty accurate. Yeah. You like, know, it's pretty accurate. I am more on his side uh, in general, even before he said that. And like, there have been other people who said bad things about comic movies. And a long time listeners of the show would know that I do have somewhat of an aversion to comic book movies and superhero stuff in general, but I do watch them and can engage with them. 
but my man's kind of right oh here. I mean, as somebody, long-time <laughs> listeners will know, I love comic book movies. I see almost all of them, but I agree with him. I don't think they're cinema. They are like theme park rides. Yeah. Their point is to just like cause you excitement and mass entertainment and mass colors entertainment. to look at yeah. use of cgi that we're doing and you go like whoa and maybe that's the purpose of joker was to make a movie in that vein but have no uh big set pieces just like a small art house art house it's the cracked house mirror version of uh this big spectacle it's like right. shitty logan you know it's like yeah logan's great um, I mean, logan's <laughs> great you know and this is the movie i would say is so not it, I, I don't know it did succeed in a joke still talking about joker it succeeds in a in a way that it's breaking down a barrier of such uh between like these pop culture and these art house films uh like pretty soon we're going to be getting movies like we're Captain Marvel has to help raise her nephew and deal with the fallout of a trauma from her own relationship, too. That's the plot of Manchester oh, by that... the Sea. Oh, interesting. But with Captain Marvel, I would watch that movie. I mean, it's interesting. You know, it's... it's More token, like a, a straight-up romantic movie where I mean, there's no it, things between two superheroes. It tells you something weird about where we are as a society, all these movies, right? Because it's like superhero movies are such currency and they're so invested in by the corporations that make films that it's like... Now there's some kind of impulse, like we have to make adult dramas, but they're superhero movies. You know, it's yep. very That's weird. Where we're going. It's very weird. I mean, how did this get made? Was talking about a uh, disclosure this week, which is you know, uh, it was a huge movie. It cost like eighty million dollars. It came out in the mid '90s, and then it made more than its budget. It was a profitable movie, but that's in the days when you know you could just make adult dramas with movie stars that people liked and they were original plots or they were, you know, adapted from novels or something. But now you, that would have to be like Michael Douglas would have to be Captain America, you know, and the woman would have to be Black Widow, you know, like you can't just make a movie about people. It has to be superheroes. Uh, There was a time, uh, there's a great series on the AV club, uh, popcorn champs. Uh, It just goes through the highest grossing movie every year. Uh, And they got to this, uh, 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 excuse me, I forget the year, but the, popular most popular movie this year is was the godfather which is oh that actually is a great movie uh, they've covered uh these were again top box office movies of the year um the graduate was the top right. box officer uh kubrick's uh 2001 a space odyssey like we'll never have it's just never like, gonna happen like again. those directors are very much dying spielberg is on a different he's doing west side story now uh That's nolan so will hopefully He's like our last hope of like someone like that. Yeah, because at least I mean he made Dunkirk, right? Yeah, Dunkirk. I mean great. that was like a big movie. That was like yeah. a big movie. I and love it, Dunkirk. It was yeah. original movie. I mean it's a war movie, but you know, uh, good Sam movies Men- can be war movies. Yeah, Sam Mendes is trying a one shot war movie now. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Nineteen seventeen. Um. Anyway, so you want to talk about this next movie? Okay. It's nineteen eighty three. Is Martin Scorsese directed the King of Comedy? But by eleven thirty tonight, the whole world will know that Rupert Pupkin is the new king of comedy. Robert De Niro, Jerry Lewis, in a Martin Scorsese picture. The king of comedy. Rupert Pupkin is a man living in a fantasy world. To us, he is a failing stand-up comedian with delusions of grandeur who lives with his mother. Rupert, as played by uh, committed-as-ever Robert De Niro, sees himself as the next title, king of comedy who simply needs to catch a break. Uh, After a chance encounter with a late-night talk show host, Jerry Langford, uh, played by very much in his element Jerry Lewis, Rupert forces that break, uh, taking common courtesy from Langford to creepy extremes and forcing himself 
into the host's work and home and eventually ends up kidnapping the man in hopes of getting a five-minute set on his talk show. De Niro plays Pupkin as both a lonely, wounded savant and a soulless narcissist on the edge. Scorsese himself links Rupert Pupkin to he and De Niro's first team-up in Taxi Driver uh, in Travis Bickle, uh, asking, Travis, Rupert, the isolated person, is Rupert more violent than Travis? Maybe. Uh, Though the title may suggest such, the king of comedy isn't here to make you laugh. It is here to take a risk in showing you a portrait of an unpleasant person taken to his limit. Guided by Scorsese, De Niro, Lewis, and a perfectly cast Sandra Bernhardt. Oh my god, she's so good in this movie. Uh, The film was a hit with critics, but a financial flop, grossing only $2.5 million against a $19 million budget, putting an end to big studio area era of producing more art house personal films that's interesting um i mean honestly speaking of sandra bernhardt right at the top so she's good. so great so, watching the, her, this movie i was like oh now i understand why she has a career like i understand why she was on every television show in the 90s and late great, 80s yeah. i mean her stand-up is fantastic but i was like oh this is like amazing she's amazing one of the great things about her character is that so her and rupert pupkin you know played by robert de niro are obsessed with jerry lewis's character and they, they both are like friends that hang out outside and talk about ways to get to uh-huh. meet Jerry and stuff. And she, Rupert's living in his mom's basement. She lives in this palatial apartment somewhere, <laughs> and it's never explained. It's never even close to explained. Or is it? Or did I just miss it? Uh, they never really explain it. No, um, she just like is super wealthy, and we don't. And she's not like living with her parents, as far as we know. She's not the most. Uh, Hinged person. She's, no, she's completely unhinged. Like most of their uh, conversations are just screaming at each other. <laughs> but it's like when they go back to her apartment, there's like fucking crystal chandeliers and candelabras <laughs> everywhere and like gilt mirrors. <laughs> and it's just like, this is just where she lives. There's What do you want us to say? You know, like this is just who this person is. It's, uh, I really, really like that. Um, th- so the uh, bonus featurette on the DVD, I own the DVD, which is where I got the Scorsese quote. Uh, it's only uh, with Scorsese and Sandra Bernhardt they couldn't get De Niro or Jerry Lewis to be so in it because it was so like funny. over 10 years later they recorded this thing. Uh, but Sandra Bernhardt uh, in it, who's great, uh, just talks about uh, like, this is why I don't do movies because I don't get offered roles like this. They would <laughs> let me play like a best friend, but I want to like do really good work like this. This is I want to do. I, I did this movie. Why would I go backwards? And I was like, yeah, girl. Yeah, that's fucking damn. awesome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she gets to she. It's so interesting, too, because like. She's like the third lead of the movie. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely. And, you know, a movie like that, if made today, like Joker, for example, like there's not a great female role in that movie no. at all. You know, I mean, there's the mom, but not like, really, yeah. she's not really, she doesn't even really do very much. She has you know? one good line uh, where he's talking about wanting to be a stand-up and she says, don't you have to be funny? Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, but Sandra Bernhardt is like, she has so much to do in this movie and oh, yeah. she gets so much screen time to just like behave and it's, riveting she's like the uh almost the devil on the shoulder for rupert yeah in this right movie. being like come on do it you <laughs> come know? on rupert you just go up there and be a man for once why don't you search just yourself so much like scary energy to it oh it's my God. very uh enthralling to watch i mean this movie like look we're not telling you anything you don't know to say that martin scorsese is a th- more thoughtful director than todd phillips <laughs> but like Within the first 15 or 20 minutes, these were, these were the notes that I made. These were the thoughts that this movie gave me. Capitalism causes violence. Success causes derangement. Celebrity is a mental illness. Like, those are pretty deep things, and they are all, like, made very plain just by the behavior of the characters within 
the first half hour of this movie. Mm-hmm. You he know? lays those themes out. This is just how great he is as Chris. He lays those themes out and then just lets you come back to them yourself. Uh, doesn't like again, like I said, doesn't put too pun- p- fine a point on it. He just lets those exist within his movie. Uh, very tough to do. And this movie again is with a very unpleasant lead character, uh, like De Niro ever committed. This is uh, right after it went Taxi Driver, uh, Raging Bull. Uh, and then this was their third collaboration. Well, not Mean Streets doesn't count because he doesn't star. That's a point of contention within my <laughs> own personal life. Um, but yeah, uh, as far as uh, the Scorsese De Niro uh, work, Scorsese's even said himself that this is one of his. Fa- this might be his favorite role, which is very weird because it's easily the most unpleasant. <laughs> well, it's so and so. What's so fascinating about this movie in a lot of ways? So this movie is about someone who is you know seems to us mentally deranged and wants to be famous, you know? And they seem to be going about trying to get famous in this crazy way. They're trying to, you know, corner and badger the this talk show host to let them on a talk show, right? And he has all these fantasies of what it would be like to be famous. He's, like, talking to nobody in air, you know, in his house. And yes. he's, like, he's being completely insane. But then there's a scene, like, a little bit into the movie where you see Jerry Lewis's character who is supposed to be a famous talk show host and he's just like walking down the street and the reality is exactly like the fantasy that Robert De Niro is having. Like his life actually is like that. (laughs) And it makes you think to yourself like, well, he's, is he as equally mentally deranged as Robert De Niro? It's just that he has managed to get it done. You know, in a way it reminded me of something like a movie like Nightcrawler, which I think, you know, the whole beginning of Nightcrawler, Jake Gyllenhaal spouting all this, like, you know, self-help uh, management bullshit speak kind of stuff. And because he's poor, and he seems like a lunatic. But then by the end of the movie, he's rich. And when he's saying the same exact things, you just think to yourself, oh, interesting. Oh, this guy probably knows what he's talking about. <laughs> but it's like, no, it's that shit is equally deranged and insane, whether you're rich and famous or whether you're a nobody. You know, it makes it makes the whole system seem diseased. Sure. I, I honestly, after watching this movie for half an hour, I was like, I can't believe I've ever watched TV and movies. I can't believe I have a podcast where I talk about movies. Like, what a sick person I am to think that these things have some kind of meaning. I mean, obviously they do, but do you know what I mean? It makes it made me feel guilty for being a fan uh, of it's, things. It's, yeah, it's uh, storytelling, and then storytelling helps to, uh, is how you react to it. Uh, yeah, this movie is very morose. Uh, it has really no release. It just bottles it up and doesn't really give you any sense of like relief towards not even at the end. It has like a very like debated, confusing fantasy reality ending. Uh, and it's also like a, uh, to bring it back to Joker in a way, it's a portrait of letting your personality succumb to violence, uh, where this was more of a slow burn to it. And you could see that more, uh, like again, he's not really victimized in this movie. He plays himself as a victim, where, again, Todd Phillips' Joker puts that fine point on of him just being, like, hammered home that he's a victim. What I, think, what I thought was so interesting about this movie, and I thought separated it so much from Joker, and again, this is why this movie, why King of Comedy is so smart, is, like, so the whole movie is Robert De Niro. He's trying to get on TV. Nobody wants to let him on TV. You, you never hear his act until the very end yeah, of the movie. So- but you see him, like you see him like making this tape and you know, you know what? So basically the late night show says, if you're want to come on as a stand up comic, bring us a tape of your act. 
And so instead of going out to a club and recording himself, which we all know is what you're supposed to do, he like locks himself in his basement and he's saying like, okay, so what I imagine is the band is there and then Jerry comes out and he introduces me and then he's going to say like this kind of stuff. And so then what I think next would be perfect. And then that kind of cuts away and you're like, this is insane. This guy's a fucking lunatic. It cuts away. It also has uh, his mother yell at him and interrupt him so yeah, he has right. to stop the tape. It's like, ma, <laughs> come on. Um, but then, but, but so what happens then at the climax of the movie is we see his act on TV and it's not that bad. It's, it's not fine either. It's just like, oh wait, those are it's not okay. But jokes. Do you know what I mean? So what what a movie like Joker does is it makes us like, oh yeah, this guy's so fucking pathetic. But what this movie does is it says like, your success has nothing to do with your talent. Like it doesn't. Like these people won't let him in the door, and they treat him like he's a fucking nut. And it's has nothing. He's not bad. It's just like that's the system is closed. It's closed to people like this. You know what I mean? Uh, and I think that's fascinating. Yeah. So to, again, compare it and to take points away from Joker, Rupert Pupkin, one of my favorite names in a movie, uh, Rupert Pupkin gets on TV, gets this five minutes on the talk show through, uh, he kidnaps Jerry Langford uh, and forces into a hostage situation. uh, Basically like the FBI lets him on TV, you know. Uh, And while he's on TV, he says... Oh, I got here because I kidnapped Jerry Langford. And everybody laughs, yeah. and he goes like, you're laughing now. You're going to find out tomorrow. I was telling the truth. This is the only way I could break into show business. And Joker, he gets on TV because uh, the talk show host, Murray Franklin, played by Robert De Niro, uh, just makes fun of him because the wholly contrived reason so that his uh, that someone was filming this random open mic set or right. whatever which somehow got to murray franklin and they even said know? like oh let's make fun of this guy on tv so i can say like one-liners and robert here does a really good like smug face that robert Hero does when <laughs> it does is it. really funny though because he's supposed to be this really great talk show host like david letterman yeah. or something he he just seems like very serious yeah. uh, <laughs> he's I, I like old he's, robert de niro uh, you know? I, would, I wouldn't say letterman at all i would say that's jay leno being like jay very leno, smug yeah. and very like that's not funny but, but like, he has this energy of where he's like not joking you know he doesn't ever seem to yeah. be joking around uh so he gets on tv because he uh they make fun of him so much that they bring him on to make fun of him even more and joker snaps because he's crazy yeah right because <laughs> he's a crazy guy and he snaps and i know it sounds like i'm being very dismissive but that's that exactly ex- that's how that is that's exactly how it what happens because that movie's not well written it's not very thoughtfully <laughs> made you know i mean and so that having robert de niro play a talk show host is one of the many things sure. that is stolen uh, so an, directly an, from king of Comedy. another thing and it's probably why i figured out that there was fantasy in joker is because uh rupert has all these really grand fantasies uh that even like seep into his real life <laughs> Like, he even, like, sits down and talks to, like, uh, he, he imagines these fully dinners and he cut to him just, like, talking to himself. Yeah. Uh, so I, I knew that in Joker, I was like, oh, wait, I, as this movie, I could tell is ripping off King of Coffee as much. They are doing that. I mean, 100%. they both have yeah. scenes where the main character sits in their squalid living room and imagines themselves on a yeah. talk show, you know, and there's, I mean, it's funny in King of Comedy because he has like all these huge, like a life-size photo cutouts of like Jerry and like Liza Minnelli and then a whole audience wall to the point where I was like, this guy has like $20,000 of art down here. Like this is not, this shit is not cheap to make. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, for sure. But then, you know, in Joker, it's exactly, it's exactly the same scene basically. Yeah. They you know? both live with their mom. Both live with their mom. Yeah. They uh, both so... are fixated on getting on this talk show and being a comedian. They both use violence. Oh, yeah, they're both failed comedians. Yeah. They both use violence to like get into the media in some way. Mm-hmm. And then they both, um, I mean, this is something at the, at the, like the very last shot of Joker is Joker 
it's basically a static shot on a hallway that is at like a T junction, like it ends and then it goes in both directions, but you can't see it. Joker runs one way with, and then people are chasing him, and then he runs back the other way, and people are chasing him. There's that exact same shot in King of Comedy yeah. when when uh, Robert De Niro is at the backstage at the Murray Franklin show. It's like the FBI is chasing him, you know, and it's this really funny kind of Scooby Doo moment in that movie, which they just completely lifted <laughs> for the Joker. And I will say it is not as good. It's funny and surprising when it happens in King of Comedy, and when it happens in Joker, you're just kind of like, eh, fuck, who cares? That's how the movie ends. Yeah, yeah, who gives? shit um this opened can really yeah in 1983 i mean, I mean it was fantastic after it's de niro fantastic. won his oscar for godfather 2 uh scorsese was a big thing uh also uh scorsese was very sick like um he had was recovering from pneumonia so it was filmed in new york during a lot of light so they didn't have they had a lot of they would shut down at nights because he was recovering from pneumonia oh my god uh so this is a very uh hard movie for him to get through from what I've been reading about him. And a, another like little tidbit that I love to share with you, Chris. Oh, please. Caleb, Caleb, nothing would make me happier <laughs> than if you had some tidbits for me. Yeah, the first... That sounds like the name of a dog food, by t- the way. Tidbits? Tidbits. Uh, Timbits. Rawr, rawr. Tidbits. For your dog. Um, rawr. The first iteration of this movie was supposed to be from Bob Fosse, directed by Bob Fosse, mm. uh, who's great, uh, Great director, more of a play, but it would have been very different. And he wanted to cast Andy Kaufman and Sammy Davis Jr. Which one was the talk? Sammy Davis Jr. was the talk show host? Yeah, and Andy Kaufman as this weird loader who would have kind of nailed it. I mean, that would have been great. Yeah. That would have been great to see Andy Which Kaufman. makes me think like... But it he, wouldn't have been as... I mean, I, I was going to say not as dramatic, but Andy could do all oh, sorts yeah. of dramatic stuff. Uh, Andy loved anger, yeah. Uh, and... I feel like Andy would have made a great Joker in one. Oh my god! Right? <laughs> in some oh sense. my god! Andy Kaufman as the Joker? Are you fucking kidding me? That would have been it's amazing. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! Um, but also, um, speaking of casting tidbits, uh, Jerry Lewis, who was great in this, uh, I thought he should have got more awards consideration. Absolutely, like stunning. Uh, he was this person in real life basically too jerry lewis and jerry langford or yeah he's like kid let me tell you i know i make this stuff look easy like i come out i say a few things who gives it but let me tell you decades and decades of hard work like, okay from the cinematic lineage of jerry lewis you don't expect him to behave this way but he's so good in this movie uh they originally offered this role to johnny carson Really? Yeah. He can't actually act, though, He can said, he? Uh, that's what he said. He's like, uh, I can only do one take. I mean, exactly. <laughs> like, he shows up, he does the show, and that's, I don't, I can't see yeah. him acting, you know? It would have, because Johnny Carson has this energy where he's kind of like, yeah, can you believe this Ugh, shit, so, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh. he perfected that. That's why uh, Jimmy Fallon and bullshit gets to exist, because Johnny was the greatest person ever on a talk show host. <laughs> Um, so I'm just saying in the scenes where he was required to be angry or be, you know, bewildered. Yeah, I don't know how, I don't know how he could. I don't know how he could have done he that. He also didn't do it because of uh, he didn't want to be associated in case there was another uh, John Hinckley situation where like right. it inspired. So I was like, I don't. John, yeah. Johnny's always washing his hands clean of things. Is he is he still alive? No, he John? passed away. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. I love Johnny. I love Johnny, too. Yeah. yeah. I remember the last episode of Johnny Carson. It was a big deal. You sure, know, I mean, sure. I was young. I was maybe 10 or younger. Um and, you know, I watched it at my grandma's house with my mom and my grandma, and we had been watching the whole last week, you know, why was I a 10-year-old child staying up to watch Johnny Carson until 1230 at night? But this is the kind of world we used to live in. These things were the biggest thing in the world, you know? Yeah, now we have uh, the internet to watch instead. Watch, I watch Seth Meyers on the internet. 
Oh, do you really? Yeah, it's great. I mean, I watch clips occasionally from the late yeah. night shows, but I don't. I don't watch them all that often. Uh, Joaquin had an interesting. Oh, his. In uh, general, Kimmel he's a very interesting Kimmel one, and then last night he did Fallon. Wait, so on the but Kimmel he thing, was uh, interviewing Fallon. He sat behind the desk. That's funny. I like that. Yeah. Um, on the Kimmel thing, there's so the thing from that interview was they played this tape supposedly from the set of Joker where he's yelling at the cinematographer yeah, to be quiet. It turns out it was fake. I was. Totally I was gonna fake, say yeah. so. Is that it was. Because it, it seemed like a joke about the uh, Christian Bale Batman, right? Because yeah, this is they like were trying, him being Joker. They were trying but it to, wasn't I'm funny at all. No. It wasn't funny at all. So everybody thought it was real because nothing was... It didn't... It, it wasn't... It was much like Joker. It was supposed to be something, but it just wasn't funny. It just no. seemed weird. The dancer fashion icon. How is that a insult? I can't do this, man. Now, what happened uh, there? La- who's Larry? Um... <clears throat> Um, yeah, Larry is the cinematographer. Um, mm-hmm. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> and did he call you Cher? Uh, yeah, look, um, sometimes, sometimes movies get intense because um, you're a lot of people in a small space and you're trying to find something and um, so it can feel intense. But um, that was supposed to be private. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed. I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm sorry about that. They've been having a bad media cycle, press cycle. Oh, Joker! It's yeah, been, they've been having the worst press yeah, cycle because yeah. of Todd Phillips. I mean, I'm shitting on Todd Phillips a lot this episode, uh, but and because he made so. like a shitty movie, I think. Yeah. That's why. Um, you've seen. If, in case you don't know, Todd Phillips made Old School and the Hangover movies. Due date. Uh, <laughs> he made the Limitless. Did he make Limitless and the just, Limitless TV show? Uh, I believe he just produced those. Oh, okay. Uh, with his good friend Bradley Cooper, who Bradley produced Cooper. Joe, uh, was a producer yeah. on Joker. He produced, yeah. Bradley Cooper produced Joker. Uh, Bradley I, Cooper is lucky that he's dodging all of the negativity around Joker, but when he obviously was involved in getting this movie made, yeah, like it's, some of it should be coming back to him. He obviously thinks this is good, mm-hmm. so like that's not cool. You know? I will say, and I said this earlier, that Joaquin is so good in it. That I wouldn't care if he gets nominated for Oscar. For one, uh, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't oh, think the buzz is still so the buzz has been Toxic. deafening. But I mean, talking about the media cycle, it's been so bad. I mean, Joaquin walked out of this uh, an interview with the Independent because he seemed genuinely to have not thought of that this movie could have a negative impact yeah. on society. Like it literally had not occurred to him until that moment, which just fucking blows your mind. But you know, the thing you have to remember is like actors. Their job is to show up and say lines somebody else wrote and just think of, try to find the reality behind it, you know? A lot of times they don't, like, think a lot. I forget if I said this to you, but I, I was thinking, like, you know, how is it in my life I have seen so many movies and TV shows where the central character is a murderer or someone who does violence? I mean, you know, you can name or someone who just does bad things. I mean, you can name anything, like Dexter, Breaking Bad. Cartman. Even, Cartman, you know, even like Mad Men, like Don Draper, he does all kinds of bad the things. The anti-hero, yeah. But like, why was Joker so much worse? You know, and I, I find it hard they to put my to finger on. amp up you know? the game because of it, because it is a legendary character. Like, if you look at the history of uh, Batman, the Joker is how they funnel the uh, aesthetic. Uh, the 60s campy, Cesar Romero's, mm-hmm. uh, the more philosophical uh, Christopher Nolan films through that wonderful Heath Ledger Joker. Uh, the more uh, uh, nostalgic, gothic one from Jack Nicholson. Right. Uh, and this one is the toxic, <laughs> uh, 
you know, inter- even... like in- internet mail. I mean, well, not Batman's not even. Well, I guess we, we even talked about that. Well, I was gonna say, bat- have to say that Batman's not even in this one, but no, they shoehorned that right yeah, in there. Bruce for Wayne us. is in there. We do get to see Bruce <laughs> Bruce Wayne's parents get killed. They do get shot in Crime Alley. There is pearls flying up in the During air. A riot caused from Joker. So this is like not to spoil it, but like I mean, who gives a shit? You know what's gonna happen in, in Joker. Like this is one of the things I personally found the most troubling about Joker was that. Um, So Joker says to someone, you know, oh, you treat me so badly, you know, nobody cares about me, you'd step over me if you saw me dying, and you know what happens to you? You get what you deserve, and he shoots someone in the head, and then we, when the person murders Bruce Bruce and Martha Wayne, he says, you get what you deserve, and shoots both of them. So it's like, I find that troubling, personally. The idea that this movie is basically textually saying, if you are mean to people, you deserve to get murdered, and like, here's, you know, here's something to say when you do it, you know, like say, yell out, you get what you deserve. And then you murder somebody that seems like dang, like almost intentionally starting some kind of murder meme. And I don't know how that got through the process that a movie has to go through because it's a money-making property. Joker is very recognizable. But that's and the thing is that you think they would want to, they would be conflict. They would be controversy averse. Uh, that's why, if this was a Marvel movie, yes, this is a DC trying to get them headlines. They've yeah, made a violent. So. Yeah, like Kevin Super, Feige Super, would yeah. not let this shit happen. Superman sure. never kills everyone unless it's a DC movie where Superman will kill if he wants to. It's just like, I'm like, this is not good. You know, this is not. I don't think that's good. Like, I was someone asked me like, oh, do you think the movie should be banned? And I was like, no, no art should ever be banned. But like, this is bad. You know, that's a bad mm-hmm. message. You it's know? a. And even if, like, I guess I said, judging by it cinematically, and it's just a bad choice of direction. Like, your saving grace is Joaquin Phoenix. And I would say, I'll go through a line of Todd Phillips movies and say, the saving grace in Old School was Will Ferrell. The saving grace in The Hangover and Due Dates were wonder- wonderful Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. Uh, and I forget the name of that Billy Bob Thornton movie he did that also had a lovely turn from John Glazer. Oh, I don't know what you're talking School about. School for Scoundrels. School for Scoundrels, Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see that. It didn't look very good to nah. me. Um, <laughs> but yeah. he's just always saved by great performances and ripping off other things of directors. <laughs> I mean, right. This movie is just, it rips off like a thousand different things. I mean, you know, this, what do they say? The sins of this movie are cinematic as well as of its soul. It's yeah. a troubling They're movie all around. Multiple. Yeah. God knows how much money it's going to make. Because yeah. everybody feels like they have to go see it. I mean, I we're doing it on the show. I'm, I'm glad to have seen it. Yeah. I don't want to be talking about something I haven't seen. You know, I'm you glad know? to have done it because I'm always um, hesitant to do things I love, like uh, Scorsese movies. Like, mm-hmm. I think you've always wanted to do uh, a, uh, that Kareda movie that came out last year. But I love Kareda so much that I don't want to like break Kareda down. <laughs> yeah, right. But like this movie, I'll go at it all for yeah. day. You know, And I get to talk about Martin. Who's yeah, great. and I mean, we didn't actually talk about King of Comedy very much, we did. Just, except to say that it's great, which is I true. It's some, great. I gave you some tidbits. <laughs> actually, ha- we're actually having a long one this week, bro. Yeah. It's kind of long. Um, I don't know. You got anything else you want to say on this stuff? Um, probably, but you know, it's a beautiful day. Um, you go outside. So you know, I think this is going to be an easy choice if I had to guess. <laughs> yeah, Joker. But Caleb, which of these movies? Joker, hundred percent. Oh, Kidding. I mean, obviously, Kidding. Joker. Kidding. Obviously. <laughs> um, if to. If you're uh, a child who's uh, like a, you know, want to be like into comic books and like have all these like cool friends and you've never seen art house movies before, 
go see Joker and then kick yourself in the ass and go see uh, King of Comedy and go see any other movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it is true. You could say it's like a way to get people into better movies because if if you if you're a young person and you see Joker and you like it, yeah. you will like even more the things it is ripping off. So go watch all of those. Go watch. Confused be like, why do I uh, see this character this way and feel these things? Then you can see how uh, actual. Yeah, read Watchmen. Watch Batman the Animated Series, which has a much better Joker. Yeah, shout out Mark Mark Hamill. Hamill, Like the Uh, best Joker. Killing Joke is an amazing comic. Yeah, read Killing Joke. Uh, Go watch King of Comedy. Go watch Taxi Driver. Go watch Taxi Driver. You know, go watch V for Vendetta. I don't like V for Vendetta, but it's better than this movie, yeah. you know, by a lot. Uh, yeah, so obviously, King of Comedy, please, please go go see King of Comedy. I actually hadn't seen it until this week, yeah. and I was loved it. I was really surprised. I mean, I don't want to say I was surprised. Obviously, I know Martin Scorsese is a great director. I knew it was supposed to be a good movie. But a lot of times when you hear a movie is great, you kind of, it's it like. It hugely flopped, like, like, I mentioned, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, it's like going, you can feel like it's going to school. Like, you're like, oh, I'm going to have to go, like, appreciate this art. Hey, but this was purely is, enjoyable. I found it purely cool, enjoyable. School Chris. I don't know why I talk about school like that. Uh, anyway, so I guess that's the show this week, everybody. Uh, tune in again in two weeks. We'll have two fresh new movies. I think we picked, but we don't have to talk I about it. I forget what they are. Do, do you remember what they are? Uh, we're doing. We're, doing, we're getting that bong out. Uh, bong Jun Hones uh, has Parasite coming oh, out. Oh, right, 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 I right. I think right. I wanted, I've been trying to push the host, but we could pick another Bong Jun Hones. I got it. I do those. Yeah, that's cool. amazing. All right, so tune in for that. A couple weeks, dogs. Uh, goodbye. Dogs, bye. I love you, dogs. Rawr, rawr.